Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. All right, the question, of course, is will the corrupt Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey be allowed into a classified briefing regarding Israel and Egypt? Will Jim Jordan get the votes to become Speaker? And will Donald Trump challenge the judge's unconstitutional gag order? And, of course, will the Phils win tonight? Welcome back to the show. Glad you are here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. It is great to be with you for our fourth and final hour of the show today. But I'll tell you, this college stuff is uh, is crazy what's happening on college campuses. And my buddy Liz Wolf has been tweeting a lot about it. She is an associate editor at Reason.com, my favorite libertarian site. Hello, Liz. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. How first of all, I know you're you're in uh, you said you're in apartment switching mode. How's how's all that going? <laughs> it's going great. I left hipster Brooklyn and I now live in Queens, so it's definitely an upgrade. Good, excellent. Get away from the hipsters. Enough with those people. <laughs> Do they still wear the skinny jeans? Guys should never wear skinny jeans, in my opinion. <laughs> well, I don't even have to worry about that anymore now that I'm a Queens resident, you know? Good times ahead. <laughs> That's good. Excellent. Uh, You have been pointing out a lot lately of the hypocrisy of what's going on on college campuses. I want to play a quick clip. I know you've uh, talked about this. This is this college professor from Cornell University, Professor Russell Rickford, uh, at a pro-Palestine rally on Cornell's campus where he was actually, um, I mean, he was flat out praising the Hamas terror attacks. Cut four. It was exhilarating. All right, Liz Wolf, uh, he finds it exhilarating. Uh, as you pointed out, college campuses lately, you know, if you misgender somebody, they throw you off campus. Professors like this, they give them tenure. Yeah, I mean, my tweet was a little tongue-in-cheek, right? Like, to some degree, I'm, I'm parroting the sort of state of acceptable discourse on college campuses. You know, I don't really know if 
any examples thus far where people have legitimately, you know, been kicked off of campus for misgendering. But my point sort of stands, which is like, when a lot of these college activists have spent, you know, for the better part of a decade talking about microaggressions and saying that they need to shout down different campus speakers, that they need to craft safe spaces and stock them with therapists and coloring books and bubbles in order to prevent college students from hearing ideas that threaten their worldview or ideas they disagree with. You know, I, I, forgive me for being a little frustrated that we've been doing a decade of that. And then now when we have legitimate Hamas apologism and sort of shilling for terrorists, you know, that's just totally fine. That's acceptable all of a sudden. Like, what? What yeah. sort of topsy-turvy world are we living in where that's how it is? I mean, you know, you joke about it, but it's true. I mean, they they, they had crayons for college kids to be able to deal with their feelings. And, and cuddle. remember the cuddle thing where you could get a cuddle buddy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's stunning to me. And I think, you know, we saw so many speakers specifically criticizing third wave feminism, criticizing the Me Too era, criticizing the sort of overreach of Title IX campus sexual assault adjudication policies. We saw speakers who were critical of components of Black Lives Matter uh, and the way that organization has engaged in political action. We've seen speakers. These are all fascinating political topics where there are people of you know, great uh, intellectual strength and, and of operating in good faith who disagree about these things. But for whatever reason, many of the speakers who would shed light on complexities of all of these topics have historically been shouted down at campuses. To me, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, 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 it actually is. It's really coming home to roost here. I mean, so often we have had this problem, and we've talked about this before, where college students today, a majority of them, believe there should be limits on the First Amendment. They, they believe in things like hate speech codes. They, they believe in limiting speech. So, you know, they'll shut down pro-life student groups. They'll shut down pro-Israel groups. They'll do all these things. And, uh, and then you turn around and, and you, you have this, 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 this pure and utter um, hatred that's being spewed on college campuses. And now suddenly people are turning around to colleges and going, how are you going to deal with this problem and I, I think it's become a self-fulfilling problem for them because they they decided a long time ago that they were not going to be speech neutral. They decided that they were going to decide which speech was OK on their campuses. And had they just remained speech neutral and said, you could say whatever you want, they probably would not be finding themselves in this position right now. I completely agree with that. And I think it's also worth, you know, for the sake of being consistent, I consider myself a free speech maximalist. So I do think that I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there have been lots and lots of cases of pro-Palestinian speech that has been censored over time. Now, know that that is not the same as pro-Hamas speech. I do think that it is important to draw some of these distinctions here. I agree. But there are lots of, you know, ardent uh, Palestine supporters and, and campus groups that really have been cracked down on and censored by their administrations over time. So I think that it's important if we actually do care about the principle here, as you were talking about, to say that, you know, we want to cultivate an academic environment where people can really forcefully defend their ideas and talk about them and where we give really wide berth to allow these types of ideas to be hashed out on college campus. Because frankly, that's what college campuses are for. They're not for you to feel 100% mentally safe all the time. They're for your ideas to be, to be challenged, for you to workshop things, for you to soak up the ideas of people around you. And I, I just want to give a little shout out to the Foundation for Individual Rights and expression, which I think has been incredibly consistent over the years in defending this type of free speech on campuses, even free speech that maybe they personally disagree with. You know, I personally disagree with some of the things that the post-Palestinian groups have put out there. 
But I think it's important that I defend their right to say those things. I do, too. And I do also think it's worth drawing a distinction between pro-Palestinian rallies and pro-Hamas rallies and pro-Hamas terrorist rallies. I mean, it's, it'd be like, you know, if a college had, a, had an organization where people were, were advocating violence against any group, I mean, it's okay to say that that's wrong, and there's nothing wrong with coming out and, and saying that it's wrong. And 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 this is where I, I I worry because it seems like things get lumped together. I mean, I talked to Wilford Riley the other day, and you know, he made a great point. He'd be like, if there was a rally on a college campus where they were openly advocating, like the Klan was there, and they were openly advocating, uh, you know, lynching black people. I mean, we would we would say that that is that is wrong. Like, it's not. You should not be out there saying those things. Yeah, it's it's very difficult. I mean, this is sort of the the origins of like how the ACLU became the organization uh, that they were for a long time. Frankly, I, I've lost a ton of respect for the ACLU over recent years. But we all know the story of, frankly, a bunch of Jewish lawyers at the ACLU defending the rights of Nazis to march in Skokie, Illinois, many years ago. Nobody really wants to be in that position where they're legally defending Nazis. And you certainly don't want to do that if they are inciting uh, violence. But there are very thorny, difficult to draw lines between what type of speech is permissible and what is actually considered incitement by the courts. And I think the ACLU at least used to many years ago grapple with these issues quite seriously. I think today FIRE is doing a lot of grappling with those issues. And frankly, I think we are doing that at reason. But I I want to push more people on both the right and the left to take these ideas seriously, because frankly, you know, if we if we fail to defend people's speech rights, ultimately, I think that that comes around to bite us at some point, because everybody believes something that is deeply unpopular or something that in the future could be criminalized. And so we should be very careful about, you know, not being principled and not being consistent in this. It is important for college students to have the ability to legitimately have it out and engage in these types of debates on campus. Uh, it's, it's completely disturbing what we've seen the culture of free speech become over the last 10 years. Yeah, and I think that fire has stepped up where the ACLU has backed out. And the ACLU has, there's too many cases where the ACLU has said that if somebody's feelings are going to be hurt, you know, if, some, if a member of the LGBTQ community is going to be offended by something, then, then that speech should not be said. So I, I, I've also lost tremendous respect for them. I don't think they defend free speech anymore. I think they're much more about their agenda. And I also lost respect for them when they somehow justified a COVID mandate as being good for civil liberties. I mean, I thought that was just insane. But fire yeah, has stepped up. Absurd. What's that? <laughs> that's patently absurd. COVID mandates were right. huge violations of civil liberties always and everywhere. Yeah, a vaccine mandate for... Uh, remember they wrote that op-ed in the... I think it was the New York Times where they justified why a, like a vaccine mandate was good for civil liberties. It was it was like the most twisted knot I've ever read people try to try try to argue here. Yeah, I mean that type of thing is despicable. I think they've really tarnished their reputation many times over in the last few years. But frankly, that just means that the rest of us who legitimately do believe in free speech and protecting civil liberties, it just means, you know, our work is cut out for us. It means that we have to be happy warriors going ahead and make sure we're actually grappling with these tough distinctions between speech and incitement. Uh, and it, it you know, means frequently extending a wide berth of tolerance to our enemies, uh, not just the speech that we like. It, it involves really engaging with these questions of, you know, what should some of these college administrations do with some of the professors out there saying um, things that I find really abhorrent about uh, Hamas? It, right. It's a very difficult thing to do because you don't want to go after professors and persecute them for their political speech. But at the same time, I keep looking at some of these statements and thinking, why on earth would the Cornell administrators have hired 
somebody this brain dead in the first place. Yes, yes, exactly. And and what does that say about them in terms of their their philosophy of things if they've hired people like this in the first place? My yeah, I mean, my friend, uh, Michael Moynihan, who uh, does the fifth column podcast, I was just listening to an episode of the fifth column. And he had a great line on there about how he would discourage his daughter from like going to Harvard because he'd want her to, you know, actually go to a good school. And frankly, I think that that like sums it up right there. This idea of like, why do we still respect a place like Cornell if this is the type of person that they're hiring? And this is the type of speech that people are applauding for at rallies. I mean, to me, I don't want my kid to go to Cornell at this point. No, no, I'm with you. I mean, I'm with you. I I, I think that that's exactly right. And I think also, too, a lot of this uh, comes with and, and, and I think the teachers unions push a lot of this stuff, too. And I mean, you had a piece on Reason a while ago about this, this uh, sleeping with a member of the teachers union. And I think you, you kind of got in, into this, this that, that point that was made, that dumb joke that was made by Mike Pence at the debate, which was just cringeworthy. But, you know, I think a lot of, um, of the teachers unions out there, again, are also guilty of this because they decide what speech is OK in, in classrooms. They decide what speech is OK at the at the grade school level, what what books are OK. They, they decide all these things. They kept parents out of it. There's no school choice. And it becomes one monolithic thought. And I, I also think that that is a major wake up call here for people. It's the reason why, you know, in the town where I live, I mean, the biggest political battle that's going on right now is not who's running for town council. It's who's running for school board right now. That makes a ton of sense to me. I mean, I think it's really stunning, frankly. I mean, we were just talking about COVID and vaccine mandates a second ago. I think it's frankly stunning that it wasn't the COVID era and the school closures that really broke teachers unions to me. I mean, they did not cover themselves in glory. The, you know, the lies abounded. We saw this in big cities, the degree to which there's this political capture of elected officials by these teachers union head honchos, uh, you know, the likes of Randy Weingarten and others. And we saw so much learning loss because children were kept at home for really stunning amounts of time in a way where if we actually looked at, you know, the examples of tons of European countries and saw some of their early results, we could have avoided this, right? Other countries were doing it way better than we were. And I place blame pretty squarely on teachers unions there. But I do think that there is a little bit of upside to all of this. I think whether it's teachers unions or looking at how some of these groups on campus and these, you know, college professors are making total fools of themselves, I think people are beginning to wise up to the fact that we have fostered some really bad environments and created really bad incentives and dynamics. And, you know, it's incumbent on the rest of us to advocate for more school choice, for more speech rights, for more protection of civil liberties, not less. Yes, yes, 100%. Well said, Liz Wolf. Uh, Liz Wolf's joining you right now. She's the editor, associate editor at Reason and author of the Reason Roundup morning email newsletter, which you should subscribe to and get, I read it every single morning. No, look, you're right about that fact. I mean, the uh, the answer to a speech we don't like is, is more speech. The answer to, it's like, I laugh about these stupid book bans. I mean, there's not a single book that's banned in America. I don't know how many libertarian authors are actually in public school libraries. You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't think can, you're not going to find Thomas Sowell in a lot of public school libraries. <laughs> Books are not banned. But yet what we've had, though, is we've had this monolithic control of the books that our children are exposed to. And so for a lot of parents who don't have the ability to send their kids to private school, because I get asked that question all the time. It's, well, Rich, why don't you send your kids to private school? I don't want to. I want to fight so that for the people that can't afford to send their kids to private school, I want to fight so that they have the ability to have their kids be able to learn 
lots of different things and not through just the lens that the teachers union wants them to see things through. But, you know, I, I laugh when they scream about book bans in this country and I turn around and I say, OK, fine. If you really feel like this book is so critical in your library and I disagree with you on that, then give me the ability to send my kids to a school that has a book in the library with an author that I may want them to learn the perspective of history from, like a Thomas Sowell, for example. I completely agree. Reasons Editor-in-Chief makes a great point very consistently. And she says, look, rich people in this country have school choice already. Right. The school choice battles are over whether or not middle class and poor people also have that. This is, frankly, there's a huge class dynamic to this. The fact that it is rich people who are able to pull their kids out of private school and actually send their kids to schools that are in many cases more aligned with their values. That's a wonderful thing. And frankly, all parents should have the ability to do that. If we actually pursued a system of school choice and and school vouchers or ESAs, as several states are experimenting with, I think we would have really good results. I got to ask you, since you're in New York and you're, you know, now you're Queens girl, uh, your governor in New York, Kathy Hochul, I had a laugh when she came out and she said, look, I love the Statue of Liberty and I believe in what it says, but we're closed and we don't have any room for you. So please don't come here. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Hochul and Mayor Eric Adams have both been dealing with this huge problem, right? There's been a huge influx of migrants and New York's laws make it such that they are legally obligated to shelter all you know, people, all newcomers for a certain period of time. And I think that's a very well-intentioned law. It's something that, you know, I am pretty sympathetic to as a very pro-immigration person, but they're also now experiencing a huge strain on social services, right? Like the money has to come from somewhere. And I think they've really backed themselves into a corner here and the foolishness and impracticality of their policies are really becoming apparent. Chickens are coming home to roost, in other words. Yeah, exactly. And all these places that had, you know, they were very proud of the fact of saying they were sanctuary cities and they turn around, they get mad at governors from border states for sending people to them. Uh, but, but at the same time, it's like, I mean, why should the people of just the states that border the U.S. border have to deal with the influx here? I mean, that doesn't seem very fair to them, right? I mean, it, it, if, if everybody's got to bear this, then then why should they get some exception because they're geographically hundreds or thousands of miles away from the border? The way I look at this is that actually this is one of those cases where we could really change federal policy to help alleviate states and cities. And by that, I mean, specifically, it's really hard for recent migrants, for these newcomers that are being sheltered in New York City. It's really hard for them to get work authorization. Many times they have to wait for quite some time for, you know, all of the, the you know, their records to clear. But essentially, we're making it so that we're saying, hey, you need to be in this sort of state of, of you know, temporary vagrancy, as opposed to, in many cases, these people are in pursuit of a better life and they actually want to go out and make something of themselves, be industrious, escape their circumstances and provide for their families, whether they're families that have migrated with them or families that they're sending remittances back home to. And I really think the federal government could, in this case, get out of the way and allow work authorization to hit sooner, which would allow these people, instead of sitting on the streets in midtown Manhattan, be able to actually, you know, go find jobs. There are lots of industries with shortages in New York City right now. And this is something where if only they were allowed to work legally. It's almost a conspiracy person might say uh, as if the government wants to expand the welfare state. I mean, I I think that that's definitely plausible. I, I am very much in favor, especially as I pay more attention to you know, issues with the Federal Reserve and, you know, all of the stuff that's been happening with Jerome Powell and interest rate hikes and all of this. I mean, 
we are in this situation where, for whatever reason, both the left and the right, but frankly, more the left than the right, have been so interested in spending as if the bill never comes right. due. Yep. That's crazy. That's not how it works in any of our personal households with any of our personal budgets. And that's frankly not how it works with the federal government either. So I think we might be in for a time of you know, significant reckoning because it's getting more and more expensive to service the national debt. And that's a huge problem. I mean, we're all going to be paying for that, you know, younger generations especially. And I got to say, Liz, and the last thing I want to say is that, you know, when it comes to Ukraine, this idea that we can just pay for this for the rest of our lives in perpetuity and they don't even debate it and just say, okay, well, here's another, you know, billions of dollars. I mean, at some point, do we not have a conversation about this? Do, Do our elected representatives not have a conversation and actually even draft a budget here with an end game. And so, I mean, and if you suggest that it's you're, you're pro Putin. Now I hear Janet Yellen saying, Oh, we can absolutely afford two wars if we need to. So if we need to go to war with Russia, if we continue that forever and ever, and we also need to go to war in Israel, well, we can do that forever and ever. I mean, it's almost like wh- where does this come from? Where's this money tree in the backyard? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately I think they think the money tree is all of us, right? Yeah. You know, they, they think they can raise taxes on all of us for as long as possible, no matter what we earn, frankly, and it will never be a problem. And I, I think that at some point people, I mean, I've been mad about taxes for a very long time and it, it doesn't even matter, you know, how much I get taxed. Um, I'm just sort of in a perpetual state of being grouchy and like <laughs> tweeting angry things at the IRS, which surely does not help my cause. But I do think more people will become fired up in this exact same way the more we're taken for granted. I mean, you see this happening in a lot of Scandinavian countries that are erroneously called socialists when, in fact, they're really not. But you do have issues where sometimes when they hike taxes, like I believe this is happening recently in Norway or Sweden, you have capital flight. You have the, you know, multimillionaires and billionaires who are basically saying, I don't want to live here anymore. I'm taken for granted. Innovation is not actually encouraged. All my money is taxed away. I'm going to, you know, go move to Switzerland. And they have the money to be able to get out and leave, which is something that we don't, which is another reason why being rich is a huge advantage here. Uh, we Liz can't Wolf- even leave our damn school systems. You know, it's a big I problem. I know. And, and a lot of people can't even leave the cities because they can't afford a home in the suburbs right now because the housing market is yeah. insane because of what the Federal Reserve yeah. has done with interest rates. And uh, I, I mean, I, there was a home in my neighborhood. It went for $75,000 over asking price and it sold in about 24 hours. Just a middle class home. I, it, I, I've never seen it like this before. So a lot of people are stuck. You know, they're stuck, Liz, and it's it's a damn shame for them. So well, I, I hate to be the obnoxious libertarian here, but like once again, libertarian solutions sure would help and market based thinking would help. Because, again, we have all of these zoning regulations that in many cases, blue cities and states have put in place. And it makes it really, really hard for people to actually build new things. So no kidding, the existing housing supply gets so warped and so expensive. I mean, at a certain point, I think in all of these cases, the bill comes due. People don't like being treated this way over and over again. And I'm just going to tell you, and this is just between me and you and not for public consumption, I really have a problem with the way the government busts your chops when you're trying to build a house. And I also have a problem with people that need, I got I to have a permit if I want to change a toilet. Like, 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 stay out of, like, give me a break, all right? Stay out of my house. I can deal with it. But that's for another show. Liz Wolf, always a pleasure. Associate editor, Reason.com. And subscribe to the Reason Roundup morning email newsletter. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much. The Rich Zioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, listen, Cherry Hill, Volvo and Route 70 in Cherry Hill, they do great work for our, our station, the show. They stand with us, and uh, I am so proud to stand with them. When it comes to buying a car, you have a lot of options out there, obviously. What sets Cherry Hill, Volvo apart from every other dealership out there 
is the fact that they put relationships first. And this is what I mean by that. There's no pressure. Nobody hounds you. Nobody runs after you and tries to shake you down to get you to buy a car. If the car's not right for you, the car's not right for you. That's just how it goes. And I also really believe that you're going to love driving a Volvo if you've never driven one before. They have a plant in South Carolina where they build the S-Class, beautiful, gorgeous sedan. The XC40, which is what I'm driving now, is a great SUV. It's got a ton of room, all the safety features. Bridget drives the XC90, which has the third row to get the kids all around, which I assume Mama Zioli's driving tonight since Bridget's out of town. And... I also love the fact that at Cherry Hill Volvo, they strive to get you the best pricing. Incentives right now that start at $5,000 off and go as high as $11,000 off a new Volvo. And they also have certified pre-owned Volvos. A great lease program as well. So what are you waiting for? Check them out today. Cherry Hill Volvo, the most accessible Volvo dealer to Philly and South Jersey, right across the bridge. Judith. Yosef, and the entire team look forward to meeting you. Because at Cherry Hill Volvo, relationships really do matter. They do matter. And that's the difference. And that's why Judith Cohen, I'm sorry, Judith Krupnik and Yosef Cohen and the entire team there every single day put our station, put you, put their customers and their clients first and foremost. That's why we're broadcasting live from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios. So go see them today, right on Route 70 in Cherry Hill, where relationships matter. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. You guys there? Can you hear me? Everybody. We got you loud and clear, Rich. Hey, hey, brother. All Look right. at your beautiful face up there on the stream now, too. How you doing, Look sir? Big Dan and Dorenzo hanging out the other side with Dan and Dorenzo live at the ballpark. Guys, how we doing? 
We're doing fantastic, man. You've had a great show. I talking to your mom about fixing the oven. Uh, maybe some tips for her. Did she ever get that fixed? Or do, is there pizza for the kids tonight or not? Yes, this is a happy ending, Dan. It was a very happy ending. Mama Zioli texted me, and she just said she got the oven finally to turn on. So the kids will be eating Let's tonight. Let's go. This is good. Oh, Thank, God. Yes. Thank God. Uh, Thank yeah, God. Yeah, and also and prayers. Yes. Your interview with Kevin also was something, man. That was that was a good Dude, one. Hilarious guy, man. So Kevin Downey Jr. and Mark Riccadonna are great friends. Mark who was on on Friday, right? And uh, so we got some good, good, good people who make us laugh who stop by the show, which I always enjoy. Yeah, I was actually saying on the stream, when I was working at the Comedy Stop in Atlantic City, uh, Mark Riccadonna, Kevin Downey Jr., they had a little uh, group of friends, and they were very gracious enough to kind of welcome me in, and uh, we would go out after the comedy show sometimes, and uh, also there was a girl by the name of Maisie, and they gave me the confidence to ask Maisie out on a date, uh, which led to me meeting my wife. So I, I <laughs> now Kevin Downey Jr., Mark Riccadonna, those guys, uh, even behind the scenes, uh, I'll take you, you know, expose the curtain, fantastic individual. Like it's just so much fun to hang out with them, uh, and just right on point. Everything Kevin was saying, <laughs> hilarious, and I love the allusion to uh, you know which uh, progressive uh, uh, congresswoman he might want to be with. Uh. <laughs> I think it'd be fun to actually uh, sit around with those guys, drink some beer, and talk politics. Uh, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, it you was know? a lot of fun. It, and those guys, they both also at some point uh, went overseas, Middle East, uh, did a lot of USO touring and such. So it, just the stories that those guys have from the things that they've seen and the people they perform for, is it's 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 amazing. And Kevin Downey Jr., I don't know if you know this, but he was uh, he got pretty far on uh, America's Got Talent. He did. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, it's cool to see him around you now. And, uh, man, if I could make it to the show tomorrow, I, I'd be there. I'd be there. The Reason.com wow. interview is good, too. And I just <laughs> wanted to mention I'm happy. Happy that uh, Henry remembered the liner that time. <laughs> he did. It. Yeah, nice. Henry nailed it with that. And the song we just came back with is "Money and Fame" by Need to Breathe, aka JT Real Muto's walk-up music. Boom! Right yep. there. Yep. Awesome. All right, I'm gonna t I'm gonna hand it over to you guys at about 6:50. But I want to know real quick. Uh, Starting lineup. Let's get through it. Let's talk about it. Yeah, let's do it. Leading off, we got Kyle Schwarber, followed by Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, batting third, fourth, Alec Bohm, Bryson Stott after that, JT Real Muto, Nick Castellanos at seventh, Brandon Marsh at eighth, and Johan Rojas to round things out. Just a quick note, Alec Bohm stays there in the four slide. A lot of conversation about Nick Castellanos switching there to uh, create a new strategy. Uh, you know, obviously Alec Bohm's having a little bit of a hard time hitting the ball, uh, but nope, uh, Topper did keep it the same rich so we'll see uh, if that strategy holds true again tonight excellent excellent so you guys are doing a great job and i enjoyed listening to the two of you yesterday with your with your thoughts on everything so i'm looking forward to doing that before we start the show tonight before we start the game uh obviously first pitch is at 807 so that's good uh, the crowd looks amazing from what, what i can see right now on youtube.com on our, our our live stream here and the crowd looks massive already yeah, youtube.com slash at 12 and WPHT. Uh, crowd has been out here. Uh, if you're just tuning in for the first time, Rich, down here in South Philadelphia, 6 o'clock you had the Flyers home opener. 8 o'clock you had a friendly between Mexico and Germany that drew uh, around 50,000 plus over at Lincoln Financial. And then obviously here you have the Phillies taking on the Diamondbacks. Uh, traffic has been nuts, but uh, the crowds too, because of that, have been huge. You've seen some Flyers fan walking around, seen some Mexico, uh, Germany fans as well. 
Uh, really, really cool environment. I, I, I got to say again, if you're listening to us and considering coming down for a game, even if you don't have tickets, there's enough here to uh, have a good time in the evening. You know, park, uh, have some fun at the food trucks, grab some drinks, and ride that carnival wheel, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> Big Dan with his carnival wheel. All right, guys, I'm, we're going to check in with you again. We're going to let you take over in a few minutes, okay? So stay tuned. Sounds good. Thanks, Rich. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks for everything you're doing down there. Appreciate it. I just want to let you know that Monday night there's going to be a um, there's going to be a memorial for a, an event over at FOP Lodge Five for uh, the phone police officer Richard Mendez, who uh, it was just heartbreaking, uh, truly heartbreaking what happened here. And there's going to be a benefit for him. It's Monday, October 23rd at one of my favorite places to hang out, which is FOP Lodge Five up in the Great Northeast on Caroline Road. Donations are accepted at the door. If you can't make it, you can certainly donate to the memorial account. Uh, there'll be draft beer and food, and 100% of the proceeds will support Officer Mendez's family. <clears throat> I, 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 I'll be honest with you, I got choked up Friday night. After the show, we, were, we had a great time in Cape May, but it, it was, I, I knew him. I, I met him at the airport a few times. He was a terrific man. And it was just a heartbreaking situation. I got really choked up Friday night after the show. So anything you can do to help out his family and help out the FOP Lodge 5 will be greatly appreciated. Uh, this has been a very, very sad time. Uh, these scumbags are still out there. You know, there's still two of these cop killers, scumbags who are on the streets. And, and this organized carjacking ring, I believe, and I know that, you know, they're not saying this, but I, I'm from what I'm reading between the lines here, it's very obvious here. These scumbags are coming from from Camden driving to Philly and they're they're jacking cars at the airport thinking there's going to be less consequences and they're they're taking them and they're 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 taking them probably overseas or something like that. This is a very organized effort, which is why these guys were willing to kill cops. This is not your average everyday idiot carjacker looking for a joyride. The, these guys are organized. They were willing to 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 kill two Philadelphia police officers. Thank God one one survived. But they were willing to kill cops and that tells you a lot. That tells you a lot about this, this, I think, criminal organization behind this. And the fact that when they did the press conference yesterday and you heard this and they said there are still people who they're looking for out, you know, in the burbs there in Jersey. This is not the first time that people from Camden have come over. So I'm just going to make that point. So Monday night, hope to see you there at the FOP Lodge 5 to help raise money for our friend, fallen hero officer, Richard Mendez. Uh, now. Let me move on the Jersey side for a moment to uh, Senator Robert Menendez. No relation, obviously. Um, Senator Menendez is a guy who's been accused of taking a lot of money from some very, very bad people, lining, literally, literally lining his pockets with money and also taking gold bars and a car and everything else. Now, the issue here is Egypt and whether or not Menendez, and this is the question that I think everybody needs to ask. Did Senator Menendez allow Egypt to continue to abuse people, their human rights record, their abysmal human rights record? Did he cover for Egypt because Egypt gave his buddy the big halal contract and Menendez got the cash? And so as we're talking about now what could potentially be World War III in the Middle East, Egypt plays a big part in all of this. Menendez is the chairman of the Senate foreign relations committee think about that for a moment he is the chairman of the senate foreign relations committee this guy has the access to classified briefings do you trust him with that information i don't 
I don't because I don't think that he's he's not going to help Egypt out. If there's something there that would hurt Egypt in any way, shape or form, he's going to make sure they know about it. And this scumbag should not only be out of the Senate, in my opinion, but he absolutely should be off the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. So Senator Chuck Schumer was asked a question in advance of this, because as, as, when you're chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, that, that, that is such a powerful position. You have access to everything. You, you have access to all of it. There's nothing that's kept from you. There's a, 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 an elite number of people in the Senate and the House who have access to all of America's secrets. For the purposes of the continuity of government, also if, if they need to make decisions and the president needs to consult with members of the Senate and the House, th- not every single one does, but there are some that do. The chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee is one of those people. That's Bob Menendez. That's the guy who's now facing prison time for, for selling out the United States of America and helping Egypt so that he can get, he can get rich with, with gold bars and cash and cars and everything else. So Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, was asked about this question today. Take a listen. Should Senator Menendez be allowed to attend the classified briefing on Israel tomorrow? And do you still stand by your position that he should not resign? You're not going to He's not going to attend the briefing tomorrow. Yes. I don't get involved in private con- I've had private conversations. I don't get involved in what happened in them on this kind of thing. He's not attending. Next. No, not next. Not next. Why is he not attending? Why? Why is the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee not attending? I know why. And you know why. It's because this scumbag would, would sell out America to Israel again, to uh, Egypt again. If anything comes up tomorrow in this briefing regarding Israel, Palestine, Egypt, the Strait of Hormuz, why Egypt is not doing more to allow people to pass through, for example, which is a major point of contention, why Egypt is not doing more to help refugees get through, why Egypt's not taking in Palestinians, for example. All of these questions, they know that that scumbag would pick up the phone and call his buddies in Egypt and would sell out America and sell out our allies and sell out our friends. That's the problem. That's why Bob Menendez is so bad. Remember, it's not just about taking the money. Yeah, you know what? There's a whole lot of politicians, particularly in Jersey over the years, and Philly, too, who've taken the cash, they've taken the bars of gold. I, I'm not saying it's okay, but what I'm saying is this guy, this guy sold out the United States of America. This guy sold out the United States of America, and he has absolutely no business, no business remaining on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, having access to America's secrets, especially right now as we are dealing with this incredibly pivotal, pivotal moment in the Middle East that directly involves the country that he was getting bought off by the people that he were helping. He was helping here, selling out America's secrets and doing what he had to do to help his friends get work in Egypt. That involved making sure that Egypt got whatever money Egypt wanted, regardless of what standards the United States had in place with regards to their human rights record. Bob Menendez is the worst of the worst for that reason. He's a traitor to America. He does not belong on that committee, period. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Actually, tonight, the guys I'm going to let take you home are Dan and Anthony. The other side with Big Dan and Dorenzo. They're going to take you home tonight as we get ready for the Phil's. Game two, first pitch at 8.07.
guys. Thank you. Thank you, Rich. Uh, fantastic show today, man. Really, Thanks, just uh, from front to finish. It's just a really, it's always a great show on the ZLE show. But, Rich, we are live here at Citizens Bank Way, man. Awesome camaraderie. As you can see on the stream, youtube.com slash at 1210WPHT. Give us a like and subscribe. You'll see a huge crowd now here developing. Uh, doors are open. Uh, game time, 8.06. Uh, it's a Absolutely envir awesome environment out here, right, Anthony? Uh, yeah, and there's people actually watching the Flyers. They've started. Everyone's starting to pour in into the link for the Mexico-Germany game. And everyone's out here. They'll be live. The block party goes right I'm up until 8. And you can even... All right, I'm going to get in my car yes. and listen. Yeah, so you yeah. guys have a great show. I love it, brother. Thank you, sir. Go thank Phils. you very much. All right, boys. Go, go Phils. Go Phils. Enjoy the game tonight, Rich. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so, uh, Anthony, we're out here, and it's it's a really awesome environment, and we, we have some spreads. We have some numbers I want to get into. Uh, right now, we're one-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, is that uh, fair, you think, uh, or do you think we're just going to wreck them again tonight? Uh, I, I, you know, last night, I think, obviously, the Phillies started hot as it went on. We did, I mean, throughout the entire playoffs we've let a lot of players sit on base and a lot of I think it was the last 10 runs yesterday before one of those RBIs the last 10 runs came from solo home runs Woo. and that's I, I mean you don't you don't want to rely on solo home runs it's nice to have a lineup where you can kind of yep. in the back pocket always possibly get a few of those dingers but at the same time uh, I, I do think it's going to be a tough battle here. Arizona is a good team. They're hot. They're as hot as any team in the MLB this season. Uh, it, it's Again, it'll still be a struggle, but I think the Phillies are built for this. It, it'll be another win, in my opinion, and, and I do think they'll cover here. I think they win by at least two runs. On the mound tonight, Aaron Nola for the Phillies. You at all concerned about his performances? Not at all. Yeah, the playoffs, I, I, he's been really good. Yeah, huh? I think he's going to continue to solidify himself. I mean, sitting at a 1-4-2 ERA right now, 12 strikeouts. Uh, everything you want and more from a pitcher like that, and especially in a year like this, for him to not only face the pressure of the playoffs, but to face that personal career adversity. I mean, if he had a bad year this season, he could have been facing a market very, very low compared to what he's now going to see. Like, regardless of what happens moving forward here, Aaron Nola has solidified himself a very, very you, So, so he's, got, he's got a contract coming up, right? It's, uh, Absolutely. And I think the Phillies are going to keep him no matter what. But he, him whatever he wants. I mean, his market, definitely, he can pretty much ask them to write whatever number he wants at this point. So, If you're just joining us for the first time, 12th and WPHD, Dan Borowski here of the Dom Giordano program with Anthony Dorenzo. And before every Phillies game. We are out here live on Citizens Bank Way with all the Odyssey stations. WIP right next to us as well. Uh, just having a great time. It's a lot of fun out here. Even if you don't have tickets, we do invite you down here and we can get you on the stream with Rich or you can hop on with us at some point. Uh, and I, I really liked, like, just to mix a little bit of politics with sports together real quick. Yesterday before the game there was a beautiful moment, right? It was before the game? Uh, it was during the game. It was during the game. Yeah. Okay. They, yeah. they showed Raul Ortiz who was shot. He was one of the officers shot in the line of duty recently and he had nick castellanos's ring is that right yeah yeah and that that was uh that, that he was he was showing it off the way that casty did with the <laughs> celebration putting it out to the uh to the crowd uh and it, it was a good moment I, I think the phillies were very much class acts the crowd in general too was very receptive to it and on top of that the uh, moment of silence they had before uh, honoring the lost life of uh, the officer. Mm -hmm. So I, from that to having all the officers walk out the flag, have the fly over the fireworks, everything.
thing. I mean, the spectacle is there, and I think the Phillies, they they understand how to help our servicemen. It really seems like time. ever since Middleton's taken over, it's really they, they've done everything right. Yeah. They really yeah. have. Yeah. It, everything that they can do right, they've gone right. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So, so last night at the game, uh, Schwarber that comes up just knocks one out of the park. Yeah. Then you have two batters later, Bryce, come up, knock one out of the park. What was it like? <laughs> Is it the greatest sports moment you've witnessed yourself in person? It's up there. Yeah. It's up there. I, I that's I'd really have to think about that. Yeah. Best moment I've ever seen live. I'd have to think about that one for a little it's bit. It's got to be up there. Because but, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, one of those Phillies, moments that it's, you'll, you'll forever remember, and you're going to tell your kids about it. Well, it's you're true. there to see it in person. That's true. I mean, and it's like I when I was a kid, I never even thought I'd ever go to a playoff game, let alone I've gone to a couple this year already. So, you're right. I mean, it is something that I'll cherish and really – I mean, why do you think the tickets are so expensive? I think there are a lot of people that grew up in our area that feel that same way. They want to spend the money to do whatever they can to get the hell down here and, and to root on our Phillies. $290 so. cheapest tickets right now, yeah. I'm finding yeah and uh, that's, but i mean look at that we're like what an hour to game time and they're still at 200 so i can't remember if it was on the stream or if we were on 12 10 when we said it but uh looking at the diamondbacks tickets for game three in arizona yeah they're like what 30 bucks for standing 36 room six dollars yeah man. no no yeah. not even for standing room you got a seat at 36 dollars <laughs> yeah like, are they even going to oh sell out the goodness. stadium if you're a player for the diamondbacks and you come here to philadelphia and you see the passion that the fans have it's got to feel like crap going back home and playing in front of your home fans. Yeah, they, I mean, they can't even fill a stadium in the NLDS. You could say the same thing about or the NLCS Braves. Even. Maybe, maybe that's what uh, killed the Braves' energy. They they didn't want to admit we were as good as them, but, I mean, come and on. And Braves fans like to believe that they're as passionate as we are. They're not. No. They're, they're really not. <laughs> uh, they're not. They're, they're nothing compared. Yeah, uh, so Philly's now 5-0 and at home. A huge home field advantage here at Citizens Bank Park. And uh, what, what's his name that's pitching? Uh, Merrill Kelly. Merrill Kelly's going to be on the mound for the Diamondbacks. And he had some comments that he made. You would think that you see what happened with Spencer Strider and, and the fact <laughs> that the entire city found out about that video that was just a throw-off video where he said he hated fans and didn't want to be playing in front of fans. Yep, exactly. So you see that happen, and you see how it inflamed it inflamed Citizens Bank Park. And people were, oh, they were rabid. They were rabid to see Spencer Strider. This guy comes out and says, what now? I haven't obviously heard this place on the field, but I would be very surprised if it trumped that Venezuela game down in Miami. <laughs> when Trey game. hit that grand slam, at least baseball-wise, I don't think I've ever experienced an atmosphere like that, so I hope it isn't louder than that. Which, first of all, why would you say hope? Second of all, you're mentioning Trey Turner, our player that's going to try to hit a home run off of you. I don't know, man. You're really trying to, like, are you weirdly trying to motivate us? We're already motivated enough. Very, very... First off, your name, Merrill, is a yeah. really bad name. <laughs> I apologize if there are any Merrills listening, but Merrill, are, are your teammates right now laying into you in the clubhouse saying, what the hell are you thinking, dude? Because you, you just signed up. You, you you signed up for a whooping from our crowd. Bulletin board material. Completely bulletin board material. Some more stats to run through. Most homers in Philly's playoff history. 11, Jason Wirth. 10, Bryce Harper. Tied now with Chase Utley. I ask again as Shows things... You the power. It does show you the power. But as things persist and uh, grow and as we get closer to the World Series... Will Bryce Harper be remembered as the greatest Philly of all time? I mean, he's yeah, he's up there. He's up there. I, I it's hard to say that right now, but I, I, he might be. He might be. I mean, this guy's playoffs, the way he hits in the playoffs. If he continues this for a few more years, 
Let alone just this year. Uh, yeah. Hope Hen you remember Henry, that. the producer back at the station, is texting us, be wary of Merrill. I didn't even <laughs> think about it. Merrill Reese is a fantastic announcer. Yeah, I was thinking of yeah. Merrill from The Walking Dead, who's an absolutely uh, terrible uh, yeah. human being. I thought you were being a little facetious with no, that. No, I, I didn't, I didn't yeah, yeah, put yeah. it together that Merrill Reese. Yeah, Merrill has – it's a great first name. One of the best first names I've ever heard, Merrill. Yeah, the voice right? of Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. He is one of – is Merrill Reese the best announcer? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Is it just because we here have that love for I him? I mean, he just has such passion. Or? I feel like it's hard to find those announcers that have that passion, that drive, and, like, that love for the team and have covered it for that long. It's hard to, but... Yeah. Some more historical perspective. 1980 Phillies won the NLCS Game 1. 2008 Phillies won the NLCS Game 1. 2023 Phillies, you just saw it, won the NLCS Game 1. There are a lot of similarities that are happening between this team and the other championship teams. That's what I mean, man. It really, I think stuff like that, I know it sounds a little cliche or tacky maybe to an extent, but I think there's a reason for it, and it shows like that scrappy... That scrappy play is, it, it, I mean, it's paying off for him. It's paying off and, and to, you know, I, I think it's a little bit of, oh, of course it will happen then. Of course it will happen now. It doesn't mean that. But I think showing those stats next to each other and really going back and looking at it, whether it's the home runs or that one you just mentioned, it gives you reason to be excited. It feels much more real this year than it did last year. Yeah, I would agree like, with I, that. I feel like yeah. we are here. And yeah, I feel like we're the best team. Last year, I didn't necessarily feel like that. Yeah. yeah. Hey, well, we got to take a quick break. Uh, Mark Levin coming up here in a couple minutes. But uh, before then, we'll come back here, give you the starting pitchers and the starting lineups right here at 12 and WPHD as Dan Borowski from the other side with Anthony Dorenzo joins you live from Citizens Bank Way outside the ballpark before game two of the NLCS. See you in a second. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 